This is a recording from a Sunday meeting of the BC Humanist Association in Vancouver. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the BCHA or its board of directors. To learn more about humanism and to support our work, visit bchumanist.ca. And make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe to the BC Humanist Podcast. Dan. Can you all hear me? Wonderful. Good morning, everybody. Thank you all for coming on this beautiful, sunshiny day. Uh, Alternative facts. facts. I'm learning from the president, yes. Um, So uh, I'm going to talk a little bit today about Fighting God, the book. Uh, Before I get into it, just give you a little bit of history. Um, I made the Reason Rally in uh, 2012. The The Reason Rally was the largest atheist event in world history. Hopefully that's a little better. Okay. It was the largest atheist event in world history. We had 30,000 atheists there. And after it, uh, a small press publisher came and asked me to write a book. And I wrote a book. And it was tentatively titled I Atheist. And before it was published, it, the, the publisher and I parted ways. And so I had a finished book, what I thought was a finished book and I had no publisher. So I sent a blind email to Barack Obama's agent. (laughs) She knew who I was, and she signed me right away. Then she sent out her initial proposal to the top list of her publishers. And the editor at Macmillan St. Martin's knew who I was and signed me right away. Now, I tell you this story not to tell you how famous I am, although I am pretty famous. I want to make sure that the point is that neither my agent nor my publisher took me on because they knew who I was. They didn't take me on because they support my mission. They didn't take me on for any moral reason at all. They both took me on for the very same reason. They thought they could make money off of me. That's the truth. They thought they could make money off of me. Yeah, let's silence all your cell phones, please. They thought they could make money off of me because firebrand atheism works. The reason these people knew who I was, the reason they paid attention, is because atheists are coming out of the closet in droves in America. It's the fastest growing religious demographic in all 50 states. And these people took me on because they knew that the firebrand atheism message sticks and is working. And so what I'm going to do today is I want to talk about firebrand atheism, which is all what fighting God is. Oh, so here's the scoop. They took what I had written, this this great big, uh, this great book that I had, uh, they took what I had written. It, it was 50% firebrand atheism and 50% David Silverman. Folks, if you ever write a book, you need an editor that'll tell you the bad news. 50% David Silverman, 50% firebrand atheist. My new editor says, hey, that's great. Take everything about you out. <laughs> and fill in the rest. You have six months. Go. And that's when I wrote Fighting God. That's what happened. And so Fighting God is about firebrand atheism. It's about the ethics of firebrand atheism. It's about the message that firebrand atheism is being the good guy. That firebrand atheism is the nice guy approach. So many times people see me on O'Reilly or or Hannity and they say, oh, that Dave, he's, he's so angry. He's so mean. I like these other guys because they smile. But you know what? There's not too much to smile about when you're talking about religion. And if you smile and you nod, you're not actually doing good. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. First, I'm going to talk about what firebrand atheism is. And starting with that, I'm going to talk about what firebrand atheism isn't. A lot of people think that firebrand atheism is just a matter, is just a matter 
of being a dick. But it's not. Firebrand atheism is direct, honest truth. And I'm going to tell you about why that works. Then I'm going to give you some examples, some billboards, some in-person, and then in mass. And then we get into the good stuff. I've been an atheist activist now for 20 years. And here's something that I've learned about the atheist community. We like data, nice data, good data, quantitative data from multiple independent sources, used correctly, crunched correctly, and applied correctly. I got that in this presentation, and I have a lot more in Fighting God. And finally, summary of moving forward, how we're going to be able to use firebrand atheism, how you should and could use firebrand atheism in your life. But first, let's get into what firebrand atheism is, starting with what firebrand atheism is not. Firebrand atheism is not insulting people by calling them idiots, brain damaged, or derogatory names. This is the mark of a weak argument, but ours is the strongest argument by far, and we need to own it and act like it. Okay, that's the first point of the presentation, and inside that point, there is a dramatic understatement. Can you see it? A dramatic understatement. Ours is the strongest argument by far. Dramatic understatement. We need to own something very, very importantly. Ours is not the strongest argument by far. Ours is the only, strong, only argument with any strength at all. Every non-atheist argument has zero strength. It is wrong. It is fantasy. It is fiction. This is not my truth versus your truth. This is not my way versus your way. This is fact versus fiction. And we need to own how right we are. We need to not be ashamed of how right we are. We need to know that the strongest argument by far is an understatement when we're talking about atheism. Firebrand atheism is not getting it, whoops, Firebrand atheism is not getting in people's faces, screaming or browbeating in an attempt to deconvert. We use the strongest method, facts and data. Why? Because we're right. And that means all, all, all of the facts and data are on our side. No exceptions. We need to own that. And we need to understand that when we look at our competition, what do they do? I mean, you'll see it tonight if you go to the debate or if you watch me on uh, any of my clips on YouTube. What do they do? They scream. They browbeat. They threaten. You're going to go to hell. You're, 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 you're doing bad. But they don't give you data. They never give you data because they don't have any data. Ours is the strong argument because we own all the data, all the data, and we need to not browbeat. We need to not drill it in. It's not about making them memorize and regurgitate. It's about teaching what we know to be true. We got a little lag here going on. Sorry about that. Firebrand atheism is not depend, defending or promoting atheism with dogma or law, right? Atheism must be understood by a critical thinking and hard data, not memorized and repeated. This is an important point. It must be understood conceptually. I just got back from my third trip to China on the Fighting God book tour. In China, they have a very interesting situation because they had a required atheism for a very long time. But that required atheism was dogmatic. Just remember, there is no God. That's all it was. So what has happened is, well, first of all, you've got a lot of Chinese medicine. You've got homeopathy. You've got superstition. But what happened was they relaxed the law and allowed religion in. And religion is pouring into China right now, pouring into China, because there's no defense against it. If you've got a dogma that says you're going to die, and that's all you know, and somebody else comes up with a new dogma that says you're going to live forever, and you're going to see your dead relatives again, that's strong. If there's no understanding, if there's no substance behind your understanding, you're going to be susceptible to conversion. So we don't need to do all that. All we need to do is teach the concept and make sure that people understand that we as a society have a set of data, and 100% of it, all of it, 
so supports the assertion that there are no gods. So that's what firebrand atheism is not. Let's get into what firebrand atheism is. And if I were to put Fighting God, if I were to take that book and bring it down to the tiniest kernel of truth, the tiniest kernel of the point of fighting God, of firebrand atheism, it would be three wonderful words. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. With the emphasis on the tell. Religion is a lie. All of it. That is the truth. Gods are false. All of them. That is the truth. And respect is earned. The fact that you have an idea does not mean I have to respect the idea. That is the truth. But here's another part of this sentence. Tell the truth as often as possible with the emphasis on the tell. On the tell. So many times we stay silent. We pretend that we didn't hear it. We don't go there. Folks, if somebody says to you, well, we're all Christians here, and you don't say no, you are saying, yes, we are all Christians here. You are lying with that silence. And you need to own that that is a lie. You need to own that when you don't, when you openly, knowingly allow people to think you're something you're not, whether you say the words or not, you are telling a lie. You are giving an untruth, and you are giving a wrong impression, and you are not helping anybody when you do it. Oh, it's easier that way, but it's not good that way. Point one of firebrand atheism is always tell the truth with the emphasis on the tell. Point two. Don't feign respect for the unrespectable. See point one. Because feigning respect for the unrespectable is lying. It is lying. If you say, oh, I respect your religious beliefs, but you don't, you're lying. And you need to own that. And you need to realize that that's not OK. That's not OK. Point three, don't accept inequality or privilege as acceptable, even if it is the norm. See point two. Because feigning respect for, because accepting inequality, God bless America, one nation under God, you know, I got all sorts of American, of United States examples. Accepting inequality or privilege as acceptable is feigning respect for it. It's not okay. Inequality is not okay. Being a second-class citizen to any degree is not okay. It's not acceptable. And it doesn't deserve any sort of respect at all. Point four. If someone try, claims to be offended by the truth, oh, you're going to get this a lot. If someone claims to be offended by the truth, it's because they're used to the privilege and inequality. It's because they're used to it. But that doesn't mean that you should silence them. The people who are offended by the truth, the people who use their, that they're offended as a, as a defense, use it because religion tells them to. What are you supposed to do when somebody says you've offended them? Apologize. apologize. They want you to apologize when they say you've offended them. They want you to say, I'm sorry. Put your head down. Back off. Why? Because they can't take listening to your words because it conflicts with what they've been taught. These people need to hear it more. These are the people who are really victims of their religion. These are the people who need you to speak up. When somebody says, your words offend me, make it clear. You're not trying to offend them. Make it clear. You're not talking about them as a person. You're talking about the tiny piece of their brain that is wrong. You can be wrong too. And you're not going to be offended if somebody tells you you're wrong. But if somebody tells you they're offended when you tell them they're wrong, they still need to hear that they're wrong. Point five brings up my friend. Yes, uh, this is videotaped. Uh, I do represent this as a depiction of the Prophet Muhammad of Islam. 
Why do I do that? Why do I put that on my slide? Why does American Atheists do Draw Muhammad Day every year? Point five, if someone tries to limit your freedom using religion, do points one to four only louder. Now folks, this is a very important point. If you go back to the time of this, um, time of this drawing, and you just go back and look at the videos and look at the pictures of the protests that came around it, you'll see a whole bunch of angry people. And they're all carrying signs with a similar message. Do not draw Muhammad. And the entire world said, we will not yield to terrorism. And then the entire world yielded to terrorism. And now it's bad to draw Muhammad. Now if you draw Muhammad, you're provoking them. You're being the bad person. If you draw Muhammad, just sticking them in the eye. If they riot because of you, it'll be your fault. And the entire world yielded. And then everything got better, right? There's no more problems. Because once you give in to terrorism once, it's all over. But no, if you look farther forward at the Charlie Hebdo protests, you'll see a whole bunch of angry people. They're all carrying signs with a similar message. Do not insult Islam. Ladies and gentlemen, when you give up a right, you never give up your last right. When you yield to terrorism once, you start a pattern. It keeps going. And they're using political correctness, little by little, terrorism, to make us willingly obey Quranic law. It's politically correct to obey Quranic law. But here's another thing. Who was drawing Muhammad? Nobody was. But now we lost the right to do it. And so did your kids. And so did their kids. When we lose a right, we lose a right for everybody. It doesn't matter if you weren't drawing Muhammad. You still had the right, and you still do. And you still have a responsibility to everybody else in this country to keep that right, preserve that right. And if they say, we will burn a building if you draw Muhammad, draw Muhammad. Draw it. Yielding to terrorism yields more terrorism all the time. And you can see it happening. When somebody tries to limit your freedom using religion, do points one to four, only much louder. That is why I always draw Muhammad. That's why we, used to, we do Draw Muhammad Day every year at, at American Atheists. And we won't stop. Because we have the right to draw anything we want, anytime. Ladies and gentlemen, there are hundreds of thousands of religious laws in this world. And they all have something in common. They have no authority over you whatsoever. There is no requirement for you to follow anybody's laws. And political correctness be damned is not as important as your civil rights. All right. That's firebrand atheism. Now, let's talk about telling the truth. I love numbers, and there are some numbers in this presentation, but my favorite number is zero. And I hope you'll all use the number zero, because so many times we atheists don't use absolutes. We don't use them. We say, oh, there's probably no God. I don't know everything in the universe, but there's probably no God. Here, let me show you something. This is a little cup of water. I have this cup of water. I can drink the water. I am sure, certain, that this is a little cup of water. Does anybody have any doubt that this is a little cup of water? But guess what, folks? I don't know everything in the universe. This could be God disguised as a cup of water. You can't prove it's not true. So do we say, oh, it's probably a cup of water? Do we say, oh, it may be a cup of water. I can't prove it. 
but it's probably a cup of water. No. We use the words sure and definite and certain all the time in our language, unless we're talking about religion. If we're talking about the man in the sky, the man in the sky gets a probably not. We're going to talk about the number zero, ladies and gentlemen. Like this one, the number of times an atheistic argument has been beaten by a theistic argument in world history is zero. God did it has never been proven right. If anybody can prove me wrong once, I will quit my job. We need to own how right we are. We need to own how correct our information is. God did it has never been proven right. The number of psychics, demons, ghouls, ghosts, or spirits that have been proven real in the history of the world is zero. Ghost Hunters has been on the air for 11 seasons. 11 seasons. And they, they go to these haunted houses, the best, most haunted houses in the world. And they have these fuzzy lenses and they squint their eyes and, and they go, what was that? It must be a g -g -g ghost. <laughs> There's the camera. If any ghost hunter show can prove any ghost anywhere in the world, anytime, once, I will quit my job. I've been saying this for a year. We need to know what reality is and what falseness is. We need to understand that these shows poison our countries. They make us think that, well, you know what? If you, you cut a ghost hunter show, and it's on for 11 seasons, they can't actually have 11 seasons of failing to find a ghost and keep the show on. But that's exactly what they do. It's 100% hype, 100% scam, no exceptions. Prove me wrong once, I'll quit my job. The Long Island medium, not psychic. Ghosts, not real. Ghouls, demons, possessions, 0.0. We need to own how right we are, and we need to internalize how much damage these lies are doing to both of our countries. Point three, the number of miracles that have actually proven to have happened in the history of the world, across all religions, is zero. Mother Teresa is about to be canonized. God bless her. You know what you have to do to be canonized? You have to have two proven miracles. So the Catholic Church can take me down tomorrow. They've got two proven miracles there. Show me one. I'll quit my job. I'm not worried because religion is a scam and a lie. And all the miracles, all the miracles, love these absolute numbers, folks. All miracles are false. The, number of, the amount of evidence that separates the myths of yesteryear, like Zeus and Poseidon, from today's respected religions is zero because the amount of evidence for all gods combined in world history is zero on these numbers, folks. In other words, the sum total of scientifically valid proof for anything supernatural ever is zero. And if anybody anywhere on Earth can prove me wrong once, I'm history. I'm not afraid. I'm not even remotely nervous because all religion is a lie. All religion is a scam, and we need to own that. It's not probably a scam. It's not, prob it's not maybe a scam. All religion is a lie. All religion is a scam, and we need to own how right we are. All right. Now this chart gets me into trouble. Euphemisms hurt the cause. Yes, they do. This is the chart about calling yourself an atheist. We're going to have that talk. It always goes over really well with humanist groups. <laughs> Listen, folks. Atheist is the broadest word. It means the absence of a belief in a deity, and that's all. It does not mean you know everything in the universe. It does not mean you refuse to take in new evidence. 
It means you don't have a belief in a god, and that's all. A lot of people use different euphemisms, and that's dangerous because it separates us out. Let me show you this. Atheist answers the question about religion. I treat people nicely does not answer what is your religion. So, Ian, you're a vegetarian, right? No. Okay, Ian's a vegetarian. <laughs> For the next five minutes. Okay. So he's not eating meat right now. I had a discussion some time ago with a, an atheist who called himself a humanist, and he was really proud of it. I don't like to tell people what I'm not. I like to tell people what I am. And he, was, he puffed out his chest when he said that to me. What crap. Now, if Ian is a vegetarian, and I asked Ian what kind of meat he eats, and he puffs out his chest and he says, I like salad. <laughs> He's not answering the question, is he? He's avoiding the question. He's pretending he answered the question, but he hasn't answered the question. My question was, what kind of meat do you eat? The correct answer from Ian should be, I don't eat meat, I'm a vegetarian. That's the answer to the question. But when you puff out your chest and say, I'm a humanist, secular, rationalistic, non-theist, and pretend you're communicating, you are saying, I like salad. Humanism is a philosophy about how you treat people. Atheism is a religious position. If you are asked about your religion, you are being asked about your opinion on God. And that's true. That's what you're being asked. When somebody asks what your religion is, they're asking about your position on God. If you answer that question with, I like to treat people nicely, you are saying, I like salad. You are not telling the truth. Atheist, uh, atheist delivers the correct information far more often than the euphemisms. Now, folks, look at this chart. These are, this is American data. I told you there's going to be a little quantitative data in here. Uh, correctly used, correctly parsed quantitative data from multiple independent sources, just to let you know. Atheist is understood in America roughly by 87% of the population. If you tell people you're an atheist, they're going to have a generally correct opinion of what you are 87% of the time. That's pretty good. That's actually really good. If you use a euphemism, you get a different result. If you use agnostic, which is the word you should never use, you got a 50-50 chance of being understood. And if you're not understood, what are you going to be presumed to be? The norm. They're going to think, maybe you think you're a 50-50 chance. Maybe you believe in some other god. You've got a 50% chance, if you call yourself agnostic, at being correctly understood. 50% chance. And again, folks, agnostic is the worst word to use. Well, it's a very bad word to use because just like that cup of water, it elevates religion above the rest of the facts. I'm sure it's a cup of water. The man in the sky gets a probably not. It elevates religion above the facts of our lives. Using agnostic implies doubt. It implies that you're not sure. It implies you're going to turn around soon. You'll come around soon. It's a soft term that has a 50% chance of being misunderstood and a very big chance, well, a definite chance, of elevating religion above the rest of the facts that we know to be true. 50% is not good recognition for a word. It's not good. However, it's better than secular. Secular, yes, secular. 30% of the country of America, of the United States people, know what secular means. Most people don't know what it means. Most people get it confused with a secularist, which is a person who supports the separation of church and state, as opposed to a secular person who is a person who is separated from religion. So there is an organization called um, Openly Secular. And they had, are you all familiar with Openly Secular? Okay. So they have a campaign that says, OK, everybody, we're going to do a, um, 
a video contest that says, my name is David Silverman and I'm secular. Great. For 30% of the population. Because when they did this big promotion and this big wonderful thing, they got videos and tweets that said, hi, I'm Jane and I'm a Christian and I'm secular. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because they bent way over to make the words easy. They didn't want to use the bad word. They didn't want to use the correct word. So they used a word that's fuzzy. 70% of the people misunderstood the word and the program fell flat. And we had Christians and Jews and Muslims saying, yay, secular. They had no idea what they were talking about because people don't know what secular means 70% of the time. And that's bad. But it's not as bad as humanist <laughs> and free thinker. Ladies and gentlemen, humanist and free thinker are misunderstood 90% of the time. 90%. Atheist is understood almost 90%. Humanist and free thinker are misunderstood almost 90% of the time. Now folks, if you are asked a question and you respond with a word that you know has a 90% chance of being misunderstood, are you telling the truth? Or are you hiding behind euphemisms? Are you trying to make it easy on someone else? Are you trying to make it easy on yourself because you don't want to use the word that they don't like? Why don't they like the word? Why don't people like the word atheist? Because they know what it means. <laughs> they know what it means. Atheism is, a, is, is not liked in this country. It's not liked. But that's too bad. They've got to get used to it. If we don't use it, they won't get used to it. That can't happen. So if you were religion, and this is a very important question. If you were religion, what word would you want the atheists to use? Would you want them to use the word that's understood 90% of the time? Or the word that's misunderstood 90% of the time? And if it's misunderstood, presumed to be the norm, which is religious. How many people call themselves free thinkers who believe in God? If you were religion, you'd want that water muddy. You'd want it cloudy. You would not want people using clear language and making a clear argument. You would want them saying, oh, I'm a secular, rationalistic, non-theistic freethinker. And then they would say, oh, great. At least you're not an atheist. <laughs> we need to own our numbers. We need to own how right we are. We also need to own the word atheist. If you don't have a belief in a god, you're an atheist. If you don't have a belief in a god and you don't know the universe, you're an atheist. If you don't have a belief in a god but you wish there was a god, you like to think there is a god, you're an atheist. If you don't have a belief in a god but you like some of the secular trappings of the religion in which you were raised, you're an atheist. And most importantly, folks, if you don't have a belief in a god and you absolutely, positively hate the word atheist. Tough shit, you're still an atheist. <laughs> and what does the truth look like? Now before I get into what the truth looks like, we're going to talk about a little billboard action here. Uh, American Atheists has got a lot of press in the past several years because of our billboards. Before I go into one, I want to explain a business concept called the Overton Window. The Overton Window is a business concept, and it's an imaginary window of things that you can say that are politically correct. If you say things within this window, everything's fine. If you go outside that window, people take notice. The farther outside you, that window you go, the more people take notice. How do you move the Overton Window? How do you get what you want to say to be accepted speech? Well, you go outside the window and you pull. 
Now, a great example of this is former presidential candidate Mitt Romney in America. Mitt Romney ran for president twice. The first time he ran for president, he was the Mormon president. He was the Mormon candidate, the first Mormon candidate. Nobody knew what it was. Everybody was confused, and he dropped out of the race pretty soon. Then the next four years, the next presidential candidate, he was the front runner. Everybody accepted it. It was normal for a Mormon to run for president. That is going outside the window and pulling it until what you want to be inside the window is inside the window. Having said that, let's look at the first billboard that American Atheists put up. You know it's a myth. This season, celebrate reason. This was the first billboard we put up. We put it, it was a $25,000 billboard out in front of the Lincoln Tunnel. It was huge. And it was way outside the Overton window. And the press went ballistic. At one point, we had uh, three different national news outfits in American Atheist headquarters waiting to interview me. This billboard made the national news in nine different countries. It was everywhere. People reacted. They made fun of it. They, 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 it went into the, into the zeitgeist of America, and these cartoons started popping up, making, talking about it. Uh, the, the Catholic League put up a separate billboard. I love the Catholic League because they just put up these uh, alternate billboards, and they give us a ton of press. CNN said, I don't know if you can see it, but I had a beard at the time, and the CNN guy said that this guy looks exactly like me. He's kind of right. Memes came out. We were on Saturday Night Live, ladies and gentlemen. That's not Photoshop. They actually talked about our billboard on Saturday Night Live. And then we have, so then what do we have to do? You have to keep going. People were really, really upset about that billboard, but then you have to keep going. So you have to keep moving that window. So we put up another one. We put up, you know it's a myth, and you have a choice, in Arabic, in a Muslim neighborhood. And we put up a Hebrew one in a Jewish neighborhood. The press went ballistic. Again, it was awesome. Next one, you know they're all scams. We know you're right. That's the billboard that got me on O'Reilly that did the whole tie goes in, tie goes out thing. Everybody's taking note. You know there is no God. We know you're right. Five billboards all through the city of Des Moines, a Christian city. What myths do you see? Poseidon, Jesus, Santa Claus, and Satan. Comparing Jesus to Satan and Santa Claus. First time. Each one of these building on the last. And now here's the question. What happens if I put you know it's a myth back up in front of the Lincoln Tunnel? What happens? Nothing. Nothing. Because calling religion a myth is inside the Overton window now. That's how you move the, the move the needle. You push the window, you pull the window, and you can change society with words. Firebrand in person. These are a few anecdotes that I wanted to give you to give you examples of how I live and how it works with me. People need to know that open and even harsh criticism of religion is OK and that it is indeed good and necessary. That's a pretty good statement, right? People need to know that open and even harsh criticism of religion is OK and maybe necessary. One of the things that you're going to realize, I do a lot of debates. I do a lot of atheist versus Christian debates. You ever realize that you don't get too many Christian versus Jew debates, Christian versus Muslim debates? They don't do that. They don't compare that, right? The only people who criticize religion are the atheists. If we agree that, open and even, that people need to know that open and even harsh criticism of religion is OK and indeed good and necessary, we need to understand that we are the only ones giving that message. Religion is not going to give that message. Only atheists will give that message. And that is an important message, which means 
it's morally required for us to give that message. We're trying to do good here, folks. We're trying to do the right thing for people. This message needs to be told. And what we need to understand is that if we don't do it, nobody will. And the message will not get out. It's morally required for us, morally, ah, it's important for us, I can't think of the word, uh, to, to actually make sure that people know that it is okay and good and necessary to criticize religion even harshly. Even if they find it distasteful, they need and deserve to hear it. Note the word deserve. So many times, people come up to me and they say, Dave, I have this friend and he's got a PhD and a JD and an MD. He's really smart, but he believes in God. Why is he so stupid? Ladies and gentlemen, religious people are not stupid. They're wrong. They're injured. They've been fooled. My mother believed in God. She wasn't stupid. My grandmother believed in God. She wasn't stupid. We need to understand that we're not some intellectual superiors. We have just escaped the brainwashing that most of us have experienced as children. And it's important for us to understand that as we look at the religious people in this world, as we look at the ultra-Orthodox people in this world, we must understand that there but for dumb luck go we. If we had been raised in that situation, we'd be just like them. We'd be just as smart as we are right now. But we'd be just like them, and we need the help. People need to know it. They need and deserve to hear it. Now, my mother died a couple years ago. Before she died, I went to her house, and she was very poor in her last years. And I went to her house, and I found on her table a receipt from a psychic. Oh, God. That was not a good thing for me to say. So I got a little uh, agitated, and I calmly sat my mother down, and I explained to her that psychics are scams. I explained to her that even if you know psychics are scams, that by paying money to them, you are helping a scammer. I made my mother understand that she was doing wrong for herself and for her country by going to psychics. And she never went again. Did I do the right thing? Yeah, I did the right thing. My mother was giving money to a scam artist. My mother had very little money. And she was giving money to a professional liar. I stopped that from happening. I stopped my mother from getting scammed. I stopped my mother from pissing away her money. I was a good son that day. Why do we treat religion differently? Why is it good? for me to sit down with my mother and calmly and coolly help her away from, psycho uh, from, from psychics or from astrologers or from tarot card readers. But if I talk to her about her closely held religious beliefs, I'm doing bad. Why is it that we treat religion better than other scams? I'll tell you why. Because religion told us to. We atheists obey religion when we treat religion with respect more than any other scam. We atheists obey religion. We dismiss the dogma, but we still reflexively, reflexively respect that which is unrespectable. We say, oh, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to talk about your closely held religious beliefs, even though those closely held religious beliefs have the exact same proof and do much more damage than other lesser scams. Bigotry comes from ignorance. Forcing the conversation allows enlightenment and de-demonizes atheists. And poor Ian thought he was off the hook. 
But now, Ian is no longer a vegetarian. Ian is an atheist hater, an atheophobe. Ian hates atheists. And so if I go up to Ian and I say, hi, Ian, I'm an atheist, he'll come out and say, oh, I hate atheists, blah. OK, first things first, I'll be fine. Right? If somebody says, oh, I hate atheists, you'll all be fine too. But here's the thing. When you say, hi, I'm an atheist, and he yells at you, you have an opportunity then to smile. You have an opportunity to say, no, 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 we're not all bad. Here's my smile. I'm a nice guy. And maybe you can warm him up. Maybe you can move Ian's personal Overton window for atheists. And then what happens? Sonia goes up to Ian later on. And Sonia says, I'm an atheist to Ian. And what does Ian say after that? Oh, I met one of you guys once. He had great hair. <laughs> so now I have made life better for Sonia because I used the correct understood word and didn't hide from it. I wasn't an asshole. I wasn't rude. I wasn't mean. But I was effective. When you use the word atheist in a sentence like that, when you call yourselves an atheist, you are moving the Overton window on the individuals who you're speaking to. That's what makes calling yourself an atheist activism in and of itself. But the other side is you're making it easier for the next person. You might never know about it. You probably won't. But you've started a pattern, you've started a growth, and you're going to make it easier for the next people who meet those people. And that is what makes calling yourself an atheist humanistic. In fact, that is what makes calling yourself an atheist far more humanistic than calling yourself a humanist. Does that make sense? Point four, atheists honoring religion legitimizes it in the eyes of the theists. But religion deserves no honor, and theists deserve honesty without hostility. Again, theists deserving honesty without hostility because they're not evil and they're not stupid. They're just incorrect. They are victims of a scam. I have a friend at home. His name is Robert. He's a Muslim. And we were at a party some time ago, and the beer was flowing. And he came up to me, and he was pretty lit. And he said, Dave, I want you to know that I respect your atheism. And I said, thank you. And he said, yeah, you know, you go on TV and you make your points, and I just want you to know that I respect your position. I said, thank you again. And then Robert said to me, now that I've respected your position, <laughs> you should respect Islam too. And I said, no. I said, you respect my position because my position is logical and respectable. You believe in a man in the sky, and I don't respect that. He got mad and walked away. Did I do the right thing? I didn't do the easy thing. Right? Well, I didn't do the easy thing. The easy thing was obvious. Yes, I respect your religion. Islam's a great religion. You do your thing. I'll do my thing. Let's have a bro hug. Have a beer. And then what would have happened? Then my friend Robert would have gone home knowing that the president of American Atheists respects Islam. I would have cemented the pedestal on which religion sits in his mind. I would have legitimized the lie in his mind. I would have hurt my friend in doing that. I would never do that to a friend. I would never do that to anybody. That's not a nice thing to do. It's not a generous thing to do. It's not a courteous thing to do. It's not a humanistic thing to do. The right thing to do is tell the truth. You're a victim of a scam. Whether it's homeopathy or astrology or religion, you're a victim of a scam. And I'm doing you a favor by letting you know 
Here's the big information. Robert lived. He lived. He heard that I didn't respect his religion, and he lived. And we're still friends. Amazing. Because people overestimate how bad it's going to be when you tell the truth. The fact is, it's necessary. The fact is, it's courteous. And the people who hear you might get momentarily miffed because they don't want to hear that. They want the legitimization. They want you to legitimize their myth. You don't have to do that. You shouldn't do that. And in fact, the nice thing to do is to tell them the truth. Firebrand atheism in mass. Now, this is about going where we are not. Firebrand atheism is all about going where we are not. And I don't know if you can see this picture. You can't. So let me tell you what this is. This is at CPAC. CPAC is America's largest conservative convention. This is where all the religious right go and talk about how Jesus wrote the Constitution, Moses was a founding father, and everybody, everybody, everybody in this country is Christian. That's what we thought. That's what we thought. I went there. We, had a, we, we bought a booth for CPAC, and they found out who we were, and they gave us our money back. And as a consolation prize to not allowing us to have a, uh, a booth, they allowed me, allowed me to buy a ticket for retail and attend as an attendee. That was their consolation. And so I decked myself out in atheist pins. <laughs> and I went to CPAC. This is, I, I'm just going to describe what this is. This is uh, at the Gaylord Center in Washington, D.C. It is a huge convention center. This little wall right here is the leading edge of an auditorium that goes all the way back here. And all the doors are right here. So this 10,000 person auditorium fills up with doors right there. And I don't know if you can see this crowd of people right there leaving the auditorium. They just left a talk by Sarah Palin. And they're all, 10,000 of them, coming out down this little hall. And I'm standing in the middle of the hall. And my heart's going, bop, 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 bop. And I get pamphlets. The pamphlets say, no, conservatism is not just for Christians, but, but atheist fiscal conservatives by the millions are being pushed away by the theocrats who are trying to equate conservative politics with Christianity. That's what we were saying. It wasn't an asshole move. It wasn't negative. It was, hey, we're here, we exist, and you're pushing us away with all of your theocratic stuff. Your theocratic stuff isn't small government. It isn't good business. It's not conservatism. You should not do it. I expected what you're all expecting. I expected hostility. I expected hate. I expected fingers in my face. I expected to be shouted down. What I didn't expect was atheists. Atheists, folks. Atheists in that crowd. Not 10, not 20, hundreds. Hundreds of atheists walking by me, turning around, coming back, and taking the buttons right off my shirt, thanking me for being there. The libertarians, the Enrandians, atheists, but they're unseen as atheists. And they were thrilled that we were there. And let me tell you who else was happy to see us. Christians, lots of them, who thought that we should have our booth, who thought that we deserved our say. Yeah, I got some hostility. But by and large, the vast majority of the people that I, that I encountered at CPAC even the Christians vastly supported our work, or at least our attempt to work. And what I told all of them to do is to put in their feedback forms that we should have a table. And the next year, we were granted our table. And that's when the news stories came out. 
because an atheist group at CPAC was way outside that Overton window. And all the news people were talking about it. All the radio, all the, the news hosts were talking about it. Multiple news stories came out. Young, conservative, and atheist, a test for the GOP. Should an atheist ever be a Republican from Chicago now? Not all conservative Republicans are Christian from the world religion news. And my favorite, my favorite was Tony Perkins. Tony Perkins from the American Family Association got up on stage and he said, there are those that may choose to be non-religious and that's fine and the conservative movement is broad enough for them. Now let me make it clear. I'm not all giddy that Tony Perkins likes us. <laughs> I am, however, thrilled that he felt he needed to say that. He choked on those words. He didn't want to say those words. But we had hundreds of people walking around CPAC that year with conservative atheist buttons. Not conservative humanist buttons. <laughs> nobody knows what that means. But conservative atheist buttons. They know we're there now. And last year, we went and we had a bigger presence. And the Samantha B Show followed, followed us. CPAC 28, 2017 is next week, and I'm on the planning committee. <laughs> this is how you infiltrate and help. We're not there to destroy. We're there to help. We are there, well, I'm there to destroy religion, but not conservatism. Yeah, religion deserves to die. All right, results. I love results, and I promise you some quantitative data. Quantitative data from independent sources, and this independent source is a source called Google. Wonderful independent quantitative data. What you see in front of you is two lines, a blue and a red. The blue line is the number of times the word atheist is searched in Google. And it goes up and down and up and down. Why does it go up and down? It goes up and down because of news stories. When something comes out that talks about atheism, people look it up. So you could just go just to pick this, pick this crest right here and say, okay, what's that date? Let's Google the news items for that date and you can see what caused the spike. When there's no news item, the, usage, the searches go down to this red line, this floor. And that floor is what I represent to be a barometer for atheist normalcy. Atheist normalcy. How normal is atheism? How many people are looking up the word atheist when they're not being prompted to do so? And you can see that it always goes back down to this line until right about here. Right about here it goes up and it never goes back down. And if you do a Google search for that period of time, you'll find out that that is when the God Delusion, Letter to a Christian Nation, and God is Not Great all came out at the same time. And they all went on book tour. And they were all talking, everybody was talking about it. And so the spike went up, and it never went back down again. Atheist normalcy raised. Okay. Go a little bit farther along, and now you see a pattern emerging. Now you see a spike every Christmas. This is what I like to call the O'Reilly factor. Because this is where they, think they have the war on Christmas, and we're all bad, and everybody looks up atheism. And it goes up and down until right about here, when it's a big spike, and it never goes back down again. And if you Google that, what happens there, that is when Richard Dawkins put, there's probably no God on all the buses in London. It made big news here, because that was way outside the Overton window. And people were talking about it, and it never went back down again. It's a big event. And then there's this little place right here, that tail. That tail is September of 2010. If you Google September of 2010, you'll find that two atheist events happened in September of 2010. Number one, the Pew Research came out that said atheists know more about religion than religious people, which is funny. We all knew that. That's why we're atheists. Secondly, and much more importantly, I was elected president of American Atheists. 
And that's when we started to do my style of firebrand atheism. That's when we started to hit the road. And here's what happened. Now you're seeing spikes, spikes, spikes. And every single one of those spikes corresponds directly to an American atheist billboard or publicity campaign. Every single one corresponds to them. These, that's the Arabic and Hebrew billboards. These are all the billboards that I put up before. You know it's a myth. You know they're all scams. You know there's no God. Uh, you know it's nonsense. Um, tell your family. Uh, the, not, the number one spot was, of course, the Reason Rally. The Christian and Mormon billboard was fun because we actually put a Mormon billboard on a truck and followed the Mitt Romney campaign around as it went from place to place. That was a lot of fun. That is, ladies and gentlemen, a jump in normalcy twice as high in half the time as the other two. Twice as high in half the time. All correlating directly with firebrand atheist activity. That's good data. But there's more. Because it also corresponds, here, here's a people who call themselves atheists and call themselves agnostic. Agnostic is up here, atheism is here. And you can see that right here, there's a jump. There's an increase in those slopes, both of them right there. And if you take that blue line from the last slide, that's where it goes. Direct correlation. Yes, I know correlation is not causation. But there's a lot of correlation here. The number of people who use uh, the word atheist correlates with hardline atheist advertising. And interestingly, use of the word agnostic also correlates with hardline atheist activity, which is, makes sense because people use agnostic as a stepping stone term. Here's the last one. It looks flat, but it's not. Right there, there's a data point. And yes, there are only three data points on this chart. Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Three data points, but it is quantitative and it is independent. And it shows right there, at the same time, people are more willing to vote for atheists in this country. All right, so let's bring it in. American Atheist puts up these billboards and publicity campaigns that are way outside the Overton window. That attracts news. News attracts people searching for the word atheist. They search for the word atheist. They become more in, enamored with atheism. They become more informed about atheism. They start calling themselves atheists more often. When they start calling themselves atheists more often, they move the personal Overton windows of the people in their lives. And they are becoming more likely to vote for an atheist. This is how American atheists has changed this country. This is how American atheists will continue to change this country. And this is why. We're, no, we're so confident that firebrand atheism works on a grand scale as well as a micro scale. So, a summary. Firebrand atheism is more effective than the nice guy approach at causing movement on a nationwide level. It is also more effective in a personal situation because it chips away at the privilege and the mythology. Think of my friend Robert chipping away at that privilege and the mythology. All religions are lies. All gods are false. All miracles are fake. Those who believe such things are real are not stupid. They're victims of lies. And it is good and ethical to help them away from it. And this is an important point. I am not suggesting that we all go out door to door and start preaching atheism. But if we did, if we did, if I got up at 8 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, walked across the street to my theistic neighbor's house, knocked on the door, got invited in, and then systematically converted that entire family to atheism, you must admit good has been done. You must admit there, things are better because of it. So often we atheists revolt against talking about atheism, against for lack of a better word, preaching atheism. Because, oh, I don't want to do that. If I do that, I look just like religion. But that's exactly what religion wants you to do, isn't it? Shut up. Sit down. Stay home. We'll talk to the people. You atheists, you stay over in the corner. When we say, I don't want to do it because religion does that, 
We are giving away our best weapon. Talking, facts, common sense. We are right. So the more we communicate, the better. And when we say, oh, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that because it looks like religion, we cede that ground to religion. We allow religion to flourish because religion tells us to. Firebrand atheism is more effective at challenging religion than the nice guy approach, so it is better for the listeners, and it is indeed the nicer thing to do. It is the nicer thing to do. It's harder for you because you've got to deal with it. You've got to have this conversation. It's harder for you. It's better for them. And that's what makes it humanism. That's what makes calling yourself a humanist not humanism. Unfortunately, the word is cowardice a lot of times. That's what makes calling yourself a euphemism cowardice. And that's what makes calling yourself an atheist humanism, for real. Nothing beats facts. And all of them are on our side. All of the facts are on our side. Use them and you will win arguments and create new atheists that can do the same. Ignore the facts and teach atheism as dogma. And we become as weak as religion. We need to own how right we are. We have the book on sale in back. Uh, I'm very pleased to say that that is an old chart. Um, the current chart, uh, Fighting God, is now enjoying 75% five-star reviews on Amazon. Uh, it's Hemant Mehta's favorite atheist book of the year, best book of the year for 2015. Uh, Dan Arell said, if the religious right has one book to fear, Fighting God is this book. Uh, J.T. Eberhard said it's one of the most enjoyable atheist reads he's ever read. And good old, fat, good old Richard Dawkins gave me a great quote. He said, how refreshing it is to read a book that is not afraid to speak the truth, sans apology. Before I go, I want to tell you about one more thing. I'm not only an author and the president of American Atheists. American Atheists was uh, formed in 1963 by Madeleine Murray O'Hare. And yes, we need your support. We need your support. We were formed by Madeleine Murray O'Hare. We are leading the movement in changing America with independent quantifiable results. Independent quantifiable results, by the way, that come from an organization with six employees. Six. Six employees, no debt, no, cred no credit cards, and uh, we're having that kind of an effect. We have audited financials that we put on the web all the time, something you're never going to get from a church. <laughs> so yeah, we're in a different country, but I'm still asking for your support. I'm still asking for your donations. I'm still asking for your membership. We have membership brochures in the back. Please join American Atheists. We're efficient, debt-free, and transparent. And I don't think we do. I already ran into that. Donations are tax deductible. I don't actually know if they're tax deductible. No. Yeah. So please join and donate today. Folks, uh, we're right on time, which is just great. So we're going to be selling some books in the back. And I guess we're going to be taking questions now. All right, well, thank you very much. I appreciate your attention. Thank you. Thank you.